six of the Stomp the Bus podcast. I'm Mark Harris with my co-host Colton Dodgson. Colton, hey, how are you doing Mark. today? Hey, how are you, Mark? I'm good. You get, did you get a haircut? I did not get a haircut. I got I got a hair uh, a hair trim and got got a little thinned out at Great Clips. Um, Rolling large over here. Yeah. Well, you look handsome. Thank you. You you look handsome as well, Colton. I, I like the uh, little five o'clock shadow you got going on. Yeah, it's, the, under, uh, it's under one of my chins. <laughs> Is it under one or just both? <laughs> Um, it just depends on what hair you're looking at. This is kind of tucked under both. Mm. This one's only under the first one. It, it all just depends on what which patch you're looking at. I feel that. Yeah. What you got big plans for tonight, Mark? What are you up to tonight? Uh, probably just gonna go and run. Get uh get packed. I'm going back to uh going back to Washington for the weekend. So excited about Ooh. that. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Good for you, buddy. I know. All right. Well, anyway, uh, we got a little bit of ASU football. What? I said, what a conversationalist you are. (laughs) All business, this guy. (laughs) Well, okay, what are you doing this weekend? Yeah, that's usually how conversations work, Mark. Not that I want you to ask me, but um, I, I honestly don't have... Many plans. I'm probably going to watch a lot of preseason football and then realize how terrible preseason football is when I'm like 0 and 7 on my bets. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to, uh, I was listening to a Seahawks podcast earlier today and they were talking about how they're actually like excited about the preseason. They were going to watch the game really closely and I'm just like, man, like that's I just the can't. effect. That's the effect that the offseason layoff has. You just want to see live football. That's why, like, I was watching, um, I got a little action on the Titans-Ravens game. Um, okay. Honestly, because the Ravens, I've been told, um, and I haven't gone back and checked this because I don't even know how you can, nor do I want to spend the time to even attempt it, but the Ravens are supposedly 18-0 and in their last 18 preseason games, which is – That's crazy. For what, what would that be, like five or six seasons. Yeah, and yeah. For, for whatever reason, I thought it was the inverse. I thought they were 0-18. <laughs> so I bet the Titans because the Titans were like plus 180, and I'm like, oh, there's no way the Ravens are 0 and 18. You got to roll with that, and I, it's I did it backwards. So now I'm hoping for 18 and one in their last 19. So we'll see. You know, the trend has to break at some point. So that's what I was saying. The wheels have to fall off eventually. You can't be a preseason wagon forever. That's right. I think one of my favorite preseason stats is the uh, the uh, 2008-0-16 Detroit Lions uh, went 4-0 in the preseason. <laughs> yeah, it's just the most. It's just so meaningless. Like, I'm I, yeah. I, I I actually used to care, but now I'm just like I just can't. But do you really still, used to care? A little bit, yeah. But oh, the preseason. Well, the the Eagles start tomorrow, and I'm excited for that. But it's like it wears off. Literally after ten minutes, right, right. And then you're like, oh, there's still two more weeks, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. No, we're talking about important stuff on this show. Wait, uh, wait, like, wait. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, but I just remembered the the intersect because this is an ASU show after all. The intersect between training camp preseason and ASU culminated in the first episode of Hard Knocks, 
where uh, former ASU corner Chase Lucas got a little camera time. I don't know if you watched that. Oh, he did? No, I, yeah. I've been watching Hard Knocks. Yeah, they got at least I'm, – I'm like 98% sure it was Chase Lucas. It looked just like him, uh, and I'm pretty sure he I'm got sure. drafted by the Lions, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it was Chase Lucas. We'll go with that. But he got a little screen time. They got him on an interview, um, oh. so that was cool to see. And then, yeah, obviously, it, there's been sort of a trend of obscure ASU player sightings. Not that Chase Lucas is – the sighting is obscure. Not that the player is obscure, but the sighting is just out of left field. Right. Um, like, do you remember the Cardinals-Rams game last year where Kareem Orr had to start – they, they were, like, decimated in the oh, secondary, man. and he had to start at, like, safety or corner or something. Yeah. I was sitting there I, watching that game. And I saw Orr, and I just, like, I was like, there's zero chance this guy is playing in an NFL game. And sure enough, no, nope. it was him. Yeah, I mean, he was good at ASU. I think he transferred somewhere. It was, like, a smaller level. Uh, but no, I know, he but made it to the NFL. Yeah, he, but he had been kind of out of – he's been out of college football for a while, hasn't he? Like, <sighs> yeah. Three years, um, to crack a roster in year three is pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, ASU does – I mean, you're right with this. They do have a lot of just, like, random dudes uh, in the NFL. Like, you know, like the 2014 team, that was the team, uh, Joe Mary team, last year was Taylor Tommy, Kelly. Was Tommy Hudson on that team? I don't think no, but, so. No, but so, you're right. This is, okay, so, yeah, that's a good point. Like, Tommy Hudson was on – I think his last year was the uh, 2019. I think it was the first year of Jaden Daniels. And yeah, you're right. He's he's like an undrafted free agent on the Titans. Yeah, I and just, ASU he was just like a blocking tight end type guy. But yeah, I just I was just watching him play. I saw Hudson and I was like, damn, he's still he's still playing. That's crazy. But yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll see random ASU guys pop up in preseason games left and right, and sometimes a primetime Cardinals Rams game. But right, right. No, yeah. And the point I was making is uh, in the 2014 team. Uh, Demarius Randall was first round pick. Jalen Strong got all the attention. I think there was another offensive lineman drafted later on. Um, but Jameel Douglas, yeah, he, I think he's the only one who's actually still in the NFL. So it's what just, about, oh man, Quinn Bailey, he he still plays, doesn't he? I um, thought he was on the Broncos for a while. Maybe he's like a yeah, he might have gotten cut at some point. But I I thought he made it for a little while. Yeah, I think. I'm not going to do all the internet research on this, but yeah, no, I think we Quinn, have to dive. This is all right. off the dome right now. But. He was, uh, I want to say he left in like 2017, 2018 type range. And I, and I think you're right. Like he is on the Broncos. I think Sam Jones is on the Broncos. Sam Jones, uh, that's, that's what I was No, thinking. well, I think both of them got started on the Broncos. That's where they uh, began their careers. Yeah, that so. makes sense. And uh, Rennell Wren, now an Eagle. Oh, really? Yeah, yes. I, I, I knew he was on the Bengals, but. Yes, and he's now an eagle. So, I mean, hey, they don't really go high in drafts, and when they do, they get traded to the Bears after two years. But hey, Ayuk's good. Ayuk's good. Ayuk, there we go. I stand corrected. But there is a lot of ASU representation in right. the NFL right. in some capacity. So that's cool. There's there's just enough, yeah, there's enough just kind of random guys that uh, – you know, you'll probably see an ASU – like, if you're watching an, the average NFL game on Sunday, uh, you'll probably see – there's probably one ASU guy in both of those teams. 
Or no, he might be on special teams, but <laughs> or you decide to undertake the preseason bender and you just watch preseason all weekend, you'll see you'll see a litany of ASU guys. So yep. Well, the current ASU players will be wearing a different uniform for at least one game this season. Look at you. (laughs) They'll be wearing a different uniform, um, yeah, for one of these games this season. And, Colton, did you get a chance to look at this leaked uniform that kind of caused a stir? Yeah, I just pulled it back up, too. Um, So it kind of has the same colorway as, like, the salute to service jerseys they wore. I don't remember why they did it for like what the reason was for those jerseys, if it was like a veterans day jersey or something like that. It yeah. looks kind of like the same colorway on the jersey. The tan, you, yeah. Yeah. Um but I I mean I like the font actually. That like classic old school font. Um Interesting. I think the one thing that I, I think would make this jersey look actually pretty sick is if they went with the original sparky mascot on the helmet so the helmet i saw somewhere that like the helmets it's not like a guarantee that they're going to use that helmet for okay because the the helmet's just kind of it's a gold helmet with a like maroon pitchfork on it right it's pretty generic yeah um i think think that could look okay if you because it's designed to be sort of retro that's like an old school font um, so maybe implementing some of the old school Sparky, the Walt Disney Sparky on there somewhere might be pretty cool. Um, but I don't think it's terrible. I don't hate it. I like when um, teams try new things with their jerseys, except for when the Padres do it. Right. Um, very rarely does it look absolutely terrible. Um, and, yeah, I don't hate this. I think it's fine. I think it'll look – I mean, this is what it looks like on a mannequin too. So that's like – what you have to consider. It might look better on like game day when the actual players are wearing it and everything. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't hate it. It looks pretty cool. Well, Colton, I'm going to, I don't, I'm going to have to disagree with you. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I don't absolutely hate it, but I just, I just don't really like it at all. I'm trying to screen share here. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. And, yeah. You. I've got Saturday out west pulled up on this tweet from at ASU Uniformity on Twitter. This guy does a lot of good stuff. So what I really don't like about it, I just I, I, I one, I don't like the numbers. I do not like the number design at all. Um, okay. And I don't I do not like the script. I I just I think I think the script itself looks good, but I think you I just don't think it works with football. I think it works really well with basketball and possibly baseball uniforms. But I don't know, man. Like, it's just – it feels – this feels like something you would see, like, at a lower level down. Like, a MAC team would be wearing something like this. That's just my opinion. It just feels a little, like – I don't know. Just – it – I I just don't I, – I just – I – I like the creativity, but I just hope they don't actually wear these this year. <laughs> I hope yeah. that this, when they put this out at the at the showcase uh, last Saturday, I hope it was kind of a trial run to see if people like it. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's bad. I like the retro letters. It, it I don't know. It, it all depends on what it looks like when they actually wear it. If they actually do wear that, um, that's true. That, man, that mannequin is like. 
disproportionate. Like it doesn't even make sense. I don't think anybody actually looks like that mannequin. So maybe the letters look way different on an actual human being. Who knows? Well, you can speak for yourself. I look like that mannequin. No, yeah. I'm it's kidding. All those, it's all that running. Yeah, exactly. And, and no, um, it. You're right about that. Is a good point about like how it actually looks like on in people. And God, good lord, how it's actually being worn. <laughs> like when players run on the field wearing the uniform. Yeah, can't even speak I, I get on people. Mean. No, I, I hear you. I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, like, looking at it, I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not passionate one way or another. It's okay. the most incredible thing I've it. ever seen. But I'm also like, if you like it, wear it. I wouldn't be upset. But yeah, right. that's kind the of my thing. Sad. Yeah, the thing, and, and I think with uniforms, uh, that the reason why I'm not going like, oh, it's a disaster, is because usually whenever any new uniform gets released, people just – shit on it immediately. So I'm not I'm not going there, but I I do have to say that um it kind of reminds me of the Michigan State uniform that had the neon green state uh up in up like on the the chest, you know? It yeah. it just it was no, a, I know what you're talking and about. And those those were those horrendous. Still don't look good. Yeah. No, those are so, those are absolutely horrendous. You don't mix shades of green like that. You know, like that. I don't know who signed off on that. Who thought it would be a good idea? These, I will say this: these are nowhere near that. No, it's they're not. not that. It's not, not like yeah. Gr- but they did yeah, remind I, me of it. That also those, those unis are in a league of their own. Those were absolutely terrible. Yeah. The only thing I'll say is, if for whatever reason they wear the, uh, you know, the tan uniforms with the script over the chest, and it turns out to be like they win a game unexpectedly, like for whatever reason they wear them and they host Utah and they beat them or something, then sure, put them in rotation if they're the lucky uniforms. Oh, you're one of those guys. You think that's a thing? I do until it becomes proven not true. (laughs) It's only crazy if it doesn't work. You're one of those guys. Yeah. Um, but, and, and, and here's the other thing with these uniforms that I don't, ASU already has so many, like, incredible uniform combinations. You know? Like, yeah. the ones, the ones they wore last year at BYU with the, the black uniforms with the gold helmets. Those. I like those. And they, those have, like, sweet. they have, like, the state flag across the chest. Yeah, but it, but it's not overly done. Either. Yeah, it's like it's, not it's like very done. faint, but you can yeah. see it's there. It's just like kind of like a, a cobalt color. Yep. Yeah. And then anytime they wear just the maroon jerseys with the gold helmet, whether it's the, whether it's got the sparky or the fork, those look great. Like the maroon uniforms always look good. I um, like. I do like. I, I believe you're talking about the ones with like the original Arizona State script on them. No, I'm not. I'm not. No. I'm just. But those look great too. Like, the, I, like those the, are those the are the ones I versions. really like. Yeah, those, those are great. They have too. the old Sparky on the helmets too, right? Yeah. No, no, yeah. those are great too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I think I was that just one might be my favorite. Yeah, those are pretty. No, I was just talking. Uh, um, just any maroon uniform, like kind of even the just kind of the newer ones that they wear. Uh, obviously, like the Desert Fuel ones, those are sweet. Mm-hmm. Um. And then even ones that personally, like, I don't, I didn't, 
like uh, last year when they wore the gold, the all gold uniforms, and they had the little, uh, I think they had the little Arizona flag on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Personally, I thought those were like fine, but people really like them, like way more than I thought they would. Like even people who didn't even like don't care about ASU. So yeah, I'm hey, trying to like, remember which ones those are. I, I'll I'll pull a picture of okay. those because I. I remember most of them, but they have so many in the rotation, like year after year, that sometimes they blend together. But, yeah, I like when they go with – even, like, white jerseys are pretty sweet. Those are the Desert Ice ones, right? Yeah, the white jerseys are sweet. Yeah, I like those. Um, yeah, they they usually do pretty well with the jerseys. Okay. Yeah. Um, they haven't had a, They haven't had a Michigan State-level atrocity yet. No. Not yet, but not yet. There's still time. So yeah, this is from trying to find the uniform. Um, you know what? I'll just go to the Google image page because 12 News article was being too slow. Um, there we go. So I'm going to share my screen real quick. All right, let's see. It. Just to just to get a good good little view. Did you, just, did you just look up ASU gold jerseys and it came up? Yeah, well, I'm on I'm on yeah, see these? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like, I think yeah, these are they're solid. Yeah, those the are fine, but that see that white one to the left right here in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime they do like a white jersey that the the froze yeah. gold right below it. Froze so gold. I think it's Eno right below it with the three. Uh, well, this might be Rashad from last year, actually. Rashad White. Oh, okay. But anyway, yeah, that yeah, those gold ones look those good. Are, those are clean. I like those ones. Yeah. It, um, and and that's my point of, like honestly, I'd be fine if Arizona State just didn't even ever even have a new uniform, like. They yeah. they have a lot of really good uniforms that people like, you know, and so yeah, you got you to mix it up sometimes. But there's enough in the rotation that exactly they, they've got some exactly. good options, and you know at least they'll look all right when they go seven and five, eight and four. Hey, sign me up for eight and four. That'd be great. Yeah, maybe maybe that was a little optimistic. See, I did that as like a dig, but eight and four, everybody's like oh, for this individual season. Yeah, <laughs> eight and four is a good year. No, I didn't mean that. Um, no. That's why. That's why. Hey, we're gonna need Carter Brown for that. That's why I brought up the kicker last week on the player. Yeah. Mark's a big it, special teams guy. Special teams. Mark. Mark drafts his his fantasy kicker in the eighth round. That's what hey, he does. It's Justin Tucker. Okay, it's worth it. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to go over that. Um, it generated a lot of buzz on the old social social medias. So. Yeah, no. no, it looks all right. I don't hate it, but Mark hates it. Mark wants okay. If you had to, fire. let's just Mark yeah. wants him to set fire to it immediately. Immediately, yeah. Um, let's just end it on this. If you were, ha- if you had to rate it, uh, one out of ten, ten being incredible, one being bad, like really bad, what would you give it? I'm glad you explained that one is really bad and ten would be incredible. Well, sometimes people have one at the best and ten at, at the bottom. So. Who has ever done that? People have done it before. I don't know. Yeah, right. I wanted that to be clear. Never happened. You you live in a fantasy land. 
where hey. those metrics are flipped on their heads. I know what you meant. Okay, one out of ten. I'm saying it's like a seven, seven and a half, something like that. It's fine. Okay. Uh, I'll give it. I'm a little bit of a harsher grader than you. I'll give it a three. That's that's really low. Well, okay, I would have the Michigan State as a one. So okay, but still, you think it's only two steps up from that Michigan State jersey? Maybe a four. Okay. All I right. have it solidly below average. How's that? Maybe That's not. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, so where would you rank those Padres City Connect jerseys? Were those the neon ones? Yeah, they're like pink and green. Here, let me let me let me look at the. Uh... If if Michigan State's is a one, it has to be below that. It, oh. It's got to be negatives. So it's, do you yeah. like the Michigan State ones more than the the neon San Diego ones? Infinitely. There's neon San Diego Padres jerseys are one of the worst things I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. I like these ones a little better, but I give them a two. Um, what do you get? So you give Michigan State – a one and the Padres jerseys a two. Yeah, those those are on the Mount Rushmores. Mount Rushmore for worst jerseys of all time. Well, they could still be there and be be on there. Yeah, now I got now I'm off on another tangent thinking about the worst jerseys well, of all time. One jersey hot take I have is you know the uh, the teal Detroit Pistons jerseys from like the mid '90s. Yeah, the ones that they went back to. Yeah, the ones. Yeah, they're trash. They're absolutely you know, they're not good. And the Pistons, it's another thing. Like, the Pistons, you don't need to change your uniform. Like, they have a unique look, and they've also never won any championships wearing those. They've either won them wearing the original ones in the late 80s, early 90s, and then the kind of original ones in 2004. So, like, yeah, I don't I, 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 They kind of look like the, the Vancouver Grizzlies jerseys a little bit to me. Right. Those are way better than the Oh, yeah. Ones, so. Well, and the difference is, if you're going to make a jersey change, like, and you're changing what it is, don't change the color, like, 100%. You well, know? you know what they do now is they change it, like, every year. Well, yeah, I get it, because they want to sell every alternate jersey people want to buy, and so they can make more money off that. Like, I get it. Right, why. so it's it's their alternate for this year, and then they'll probably come up with something uh, new next year. So that's that's what the NBA is doing now with like those City Connect jerseys. They just kind of switch it up every year. I I mean I like them. I just I, I like the idea of City Connect jerseys. I just don't like that individual one on the Pistons. Yeah, and that's teams just, like the Padres shouldn't be able to have free reign because then they just abuse it. Well, with, and, a, with a the thing I don't like about those Padres jerseys is that it just feels like kind of a ripoff of some of the Miami stuff, whether it be the yeah, Heat it's, or the Marlins. It's Marvel. San Diego. It's not Miami. Exactly. exactly. It's, not, yeah. it's not a Miami Vice jersey. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, Make it Anchorman themed or something. <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. Make, them, make yeah. them play baseball in, like, suits and say it's a City Connect jersey. That, that would be – that would <laughs> – in a 70s news anchor suit. Yeah. That would be great. In a 3 uh, suit and they play baseball. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to shift off that topic um, for a bit uh, to go to a little interesting article that was written this week by Doug Haller on The Athletic. And it's pretty simple. He just talked to Michael Crow on Tuesday, and Crow said that um, the NCAA has yet to complete interviews with 
Arizona State coaches and staffers relating to the ongoing investigation. Um, so we're still stuck in this. You know, this investigation is just going to drag on, it seems, and the NCAA is moving at glacial pace. It's I'm glad the season is coming up because otherwise I would be much more upset at this article. Like, I'm glad that there will be real football being played uh, within a few weeks because I just – seeing articles like this, it's not good because it's, you know, it's just going to continue this long investigation that's hurt the program. Yeah, I'm just kind of reading through this. And if they haven't even spoken to every coach, NCAA has not yet interviewed all football coaches. Right. Um, you said it. They're moving at a glacial pace, and it's like at what point is there even going to be a resolution? Or if I'm not mistaken, yeah. it's kind of a process where they decide that something wrong was done. Yes, they did do this. And then is there another phase where they decide on discipline? Or is it all kind of like, yeah, they did this, and this is the punishment? Well, I think they're just gathering – as much information as they can at this point, and then once they have it, then that's when they would levy the punishment. Um, right. So, but what's yeah. what's the timeline? One on the investigation. And well, I don't know. On them, fine. That, but that's what I'm saying is yeah. like this investigation is taking forever. Just the investigation. But what's it going to look like when the investigation concludes, and now the NCAA has to levy some sort of punishment, right? Based on what they found. How long is that going to take them? Um, exactly. So I like I don't know. Right now the NCAA is still like the authority of college football. It right. it's more fleeting than it's ever been. Um but when we say NCAA investigation, like that still holds a little bit of weight. That's why this is kind of hung over the program. But it's not crazy to think that in one or two years when this investigation could very well conclude what is the NCAA going to look like at that point? Is it still going to be the sort of authority that we view it as when we're talking about this investigation? Or is this going to become something where the conferences and – because what is the role of the NCAA really, especially at this point when – Well, for um, football, there's no role. Like, their role is setting up tournaments for other sports, basically. Yeah. Exactly. It, like, there's a committee that decides on the college football playoff that is completely separate from the NCAA, right? The there's, college football playoff itself as an entity is separate from the NCAA. That's what you I'm know? saying. And, yeah. and the bowl committees, all of these things have nothing to do with the NCAA. The conferences are their own entities. At some point, the NCAA is going to falter, and it might sound crazy, but it, it might very well be a race between how fast can they levy punishment versus how fast are they going to start to collapse? Right. So yeah. we could very well see those two horses neck and neck down to the wire. Yeah. It would be <laughs> hilarious. It like not from an ASU perspective, but just from like a, I don't know, general perspective. If ASU gets investigated and there's news about an investigation and then by the time it's actually wrapping up, let's say, six months from now or eight months from now, the invest the, the NCAA itself like gets separated from football, FBS football as a whole. And then, and then it's right. like, Oh, like this literally meant nothing because it's like you're buying, it's, it's like you're worrying about buying a house and then you're about to buy it. And then the house gets burned down. <laughs> you know, right. 
Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. It's, but it sounds crazy to talk about because I don't even know what that would look like, how that decision would be made, how the NCAA is now all of a sudden powerless over um, Division One football and all of these things. I don't even know what that would look like, but this is a very crazy era in college football. And it seems like we're trending towards something where some sort of situation where there's going to be sort of a paradigm shift and we're going to see power change hands dramatically. And I don't, I don't know if the NCAA by the time they finish this is going to be able to levy any sort of punishment or a punishment that would stick. Something like that. I don't know. So just thinking out loud here. Yeah. So I guess the only good news of this is that it seems very unlikely that one random weekend in October, we're going to find out a story about, oh, the NCAA is throwing down punishment for ASU, this and this and this. You know, it's probably going to be sometime in the off season or next off season, that is. So I guess that's a good thing for the current, like the current team that's going to play this year. Um. I think that's that's good news because it's just one one less distraction uh, that they would avoid. So that's yeah. a, the good news of it. But the bad news is the recruiting isn't going to, isn't going to get better or meaningfully better because guess what? All the opposing coaches still have the same talking point to uh, recruit against ASU, which I don't I don't blame them for doing it. Like so. Yeah, it also feels like, too, last year it was when we saw that, um, when we read that article on The Athletic where I think it was Doug Holler talked to um, five team leaders or t- five, like, ten right. players. Right. Um, and they openly discussed that, yes, there was a bit of a distraction last year with this investigation and things like that. And a lot of that roster had been there for a while. You know, yeah. they were there during that dead period. They had played the season before. They had played the shortened season, all of those things. And we've been talking about this for weeks now. So many of this team's, I guess, projected contributors, guys that should step into roles and uh, play some sort of important role in this offense or defense, whatever it may be, are transfer guys who are coming over and don't necessarily feel – they they might not feel the pressure of this investigation because it's a right. new situation. Well, they're they, just yeah, they're just dropping in, and a lot of these guys yeah, like you're they're going to be gone by the time anything happens anyway. They don't care. It's not going to yeah. be as big of a distraction for those transfer guys as and there's way more of those guys than there was last year. Yeah. So many contributors yeah. last year were tenured guys, so um, or at least tenured guys with this program. So it's nice to have some guys that might not be as affected by the looming investigation. Right. Yeah, no, they would like if you're a Xavier Valde, a Nessie Jade Silvera, a Corey Bethley, like experienced guys who have like a one or two years of eligibility left, you don't care. You're just like, let's just play football and let the yeah. chips fall where they may, you know. So Yeah. It's um, not gonna affect them at all. They don't care. Yeah. And one of the things holding this back is that there's probably there's just a lot of actual like literal proof that they have so yeah but that's what i'm saying like if there's a ruling it's going to be like there's going to be discipline this isn't like asu is going to be found they're going to be exonerated of all wrongdoing that's not going to happen 
They did yeah. do this. There's substantial proof that they did this, and they will probably be punished if this investigation ever concludes, which is the sticking point. Is it ever going to get to a point where they can levy the punishment? I know, man. It's been – it. yeah, no, the first reporting of it was June of last year, so it's yeah. been 14 months of this, and, yeah, it's just – it's – Changed the perception of the way everyone looks at the program. Uh, I got, I saw a great quote here from Crow. He says, quote, if we had been doing this investigation, we would have moved with the greatest speed imaginable to get a sense of what's going on. Crow said, I'm like, he, that's code for this is so freaking annoying that they're taking this long. Like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Um, and. Yeah, he had another line. Asked Tuesday about the probe's potential conclusion. Crow said, quote, one can only hope. <laughs> so yeah. he's feeling it, too. Uh, I recommend you guys read this on The Athletic from Doug Howard. It's uh, actually a pretty short read, but it just kind of gives a background into what's going on as much as we know. So um, I want to talk about a former Sun Devil real quick. Um Jaden Daniels, some of you guys may have heard of him. He was the ASU starting quarterback for the past three years, transferred out to LSU. And um, as of today, being the 11th of August, uh, he was reportedly taking the majority of first team steps, or steps, reps on Tuesday with the Tigers. Uh, so... This is kind of interesting to me, not so much that he's playing, but it uh, it took a, it took a while for Daniels to kind of establish himself, you know, because he was be, he was con- competing with two other guys. Uh, I'm reading this in the Lafayette Daily Advertiser. Um, redshirt fresh, freshman Garrett Nussmeyer and six year senior Miles How Miles Brennan were vying for the job. Um, so he's competing with guys who, if, look, if they recruited to play quarterback at LSU, these are, you know, they were recruited highly. I mean, granted, so was Jaden Daniels, but he's not competing with, uh, guys who were walk-ons or, you know, transfers from the FCS level. So it's interesting that he's leading the way, but he, I mean, he does have starting experience. Um, what do you like, what do you expect from him playing in the SEC West? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching with Jaden Daniels is sort of what happens with his trajectory. I think watching his career um, from basically the jump, we've seen him from day one. um, His freshman year, he looked like he was going to be one of the better ASU quarterbacks in recent history, right? He looked like he was well on his way to being one of those guys that could possibly push – ASU toward uh, contending for a Pac-12 title, maybe a Rose Bowl berth, whatever it would be. Um, And then he started to regress. It was sort of a downward trend. Granted, he loses IU. He's ASU's biggest – it's no secret that one of ASU's biggest problems the last couple years has been the development of the receiving core, right? You get all of these highly touted prospects in that are supposed to step up and fill these roles, and they're just not ready to do so. But because they had four stars by some site, they're supposed to be that guy, right? Um, A lot of the guys that come in and step up for ASU in the past are, you know, JUCO transfers or guys that come from other places. Ricky Pearsall. 
Right. He was a three-star guy from Corona del Sol, and he had, he was the best receiver on the team last year. That's what I'm saying. Is um, I believe I'm almost certain that Jalen Strong came from a JUCO. JUCO, yeah. Um, I think was a JUCO transfer. Yep. Yep. Um, the only guy who was kind of just a stud from day one was Nikhil Harry. Right. Um, but I mean, you can go down the list. It looks like a lot of the guys who start to produce do so after getting their feet underneath them. And there just wasn't that guy for the last yeah. two or three years. Ricky Pearsall stepped up last year. Um, he's gone. But you you look at that room and there really isn't one established leader. Um, we talked about Johnson last week. I think I, I completely blanked on his name. Cam Vanderbilt Johnson. Guy. Cam Johnson. Another Cam Johnson. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say Cam Johnson, but I didn't want to go Suns and, like, botch it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cam Johnson from Vanderbilt, at the very least, he's done it before. We talked about that. So, right. um, Jaden Daniels never really had that core. The only benefit was he got to grow with the core. Right. But the core, but the core really didn't grow. Developed. Yeah. Yeah. The core never really developed. So that was sort of a reflection on him. Um, he was, you know, he didn't really do much in, I'm going to say Zach Hill. Yep. Okay. Because I know uh, he's I gone. Got, who's the Bengals coach? Zach Taylor. Okay, I did that last time. I well, and the, Zach so, so Zach Hill, I think, spelled it Z A K, and Zach is Z A C. So they're both three letters, Zach. That's what I'm saying. It's confusing. Yeah. But anyway, Zach Hill, he was supposed to uh, the Boise State guy. He was supposed to kind of yep. take the next step under him. That never really happened either. It's been a downward progression for Jaden Daniels, and that was. Crazy to me, given how hot he started. But I am of the belief he had some accuracy issues last year. He missed high on a ton of throws. The deep ball didn't have very great touch either. He just seemed off all year long. How much of that is just talent? I don't think it's very much. I I think he's a talented guy. And I think maybe a change of change of scenery is going to in an established. Well, I guess they're a little uncertain at this point. With you know, LSU is one of the more uncertain programs recently in the SEC. But um, an established culture, at the very least, LSU, the SEC, all of these established traditions and things like that. Um, Going to that opportunity, winning a job again, maybe that. Well, he hasn't won it yet. Well, if he does, I'm saying if he does win that job and he is the starting quarterback, winning that job, proving himself, knowing he can do it. Um, I don't know. I hope it revitalizes him. I want to see him get back on track because there was a point in time where a lot of draft guys and draft Twitter and all these other places oh, yeah. were talking about Jaden Daniels as a possible first, second round pick somewhere in that yeah. range. And that stock just plummeted and yeah. that talent didn't disappear. I think what we saw the last two years was a byproduct of a terrible situation and maybe going to LSU, winning a job, doing everything that he would have to do to be able to play on Saturdays could revitalize him and get that trajectory back on track. So that's what I'm going to be looking for was, uh, the down year last year, a byproduct of his talent. Is he just falling apart did he just play way over his head the first year or did he just need a new situation I tend to think it's the latter because I saw how well he played that first year but we'll see 
Yeah. So for me, like, I don't really know. I don't really think I'll be rooting for against Jaden Daniels this year. But if 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 he plays well and is like clearly improved, playing against tougher competition in the SEC West than he will be in, than he would have played in the Pac-12, then that's going to look really bad on this coaching staff. Like even if Emory Jones plays really well this year, it, 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 the fact that not not the fact the potential fact that Jaden Daniels improves like significantly at LSU. That would be just a bad look for the coaching staff. But um, and the other thing you meant you forgot to mention is his freshman year. Not he only he had uh, Brandon Ayuk, who was obviously awesome and clearly knows how to get separation. He's doing it in the NFL. He was able to do it in college as well. Uh, but they also had Frank Clark as the number two, or not Frank Clark, Frank Darby. And I think they had Seahawks. Uh, yeah, but I think they had Kyle Williams too, uh, and he's not in the NFL, but he was like he was a very good college wide receiver. So the the wide receiver talent definitely dropped off. Um, it'll just be it'll be interesting to see, you know. Um, it's it's I was surprised he transferred there honestly because I think he was considering like Missouri, which I thought would be a better place for him to go just because he would be more guaranteed to start, but. If he if he ends up starting at LSU, I mean, good for him. You know, honestly, like I think there's a lot of fans who are who really don't want him to succeed in part because of how long he took to leave. Yeah. Remember, because that, he, that's the one part that I think yeah. is a little. Um, it, it was a little odd how he handled that. But right. who knows? Like maybe exactly. he made that decision and then it just didn't sit right. And he was, or he found out new information. Yeah, and something yeah. new came out. Anything could have happened. I know that's the reason why so many fans or whoever of the, you know, whoever of the anti Jaden Daniels contingent, like, doesn't want him to succeed. It's because of that reason. I think right. is the the whole transfer debacle. But any number of and how factors, long it took to like yeah. to, to say that he's coming back. And then for Herm to basically turn down uh, Spencer Rattler, who, like, he's going to be a popular name in Phoenix because he went to – forget what high school was. Uh, one yeah, of the ones Pinnacle. School, but, um, Pinnacle, right, yeah. Um, and local kid, everyone knows him because he was on the QB1 show on Netflix. Um, and But instead, that gets thrown out and he transfers way late and it's just – Thank God we have Emory Jones, basically, because, like we've said, if we if this team didn't have Emory Jones, we I wouldn't have the attitude of oh maybe they'll be okay, you know, and I would be much more down on them. But um, yeah. it will be interesting to see. It it's definitely adds a new little because honestly, like I don't really, I'm not going to be really like that interested in like how the other guys do. Like maybe if I'm watching a Louisville game, we'll see if Jermaine Lolay makes a play or something or. Uh, I, I saw Ricky Purcell. Just be, just be real. You're not they, have, they have a good quarterback, Malik Cunningham. Um, if there's any college fantasy players out there, uh, he's pretty good. But I saw the – What? Do you play college fantasy? I don't. I don't. Oh. Yeah. I did it one year. It was madness. Yeah, I just – Khalil Tate, Tate was the first overall pick that year. Oh, so you did it the year after Khalil Tate had like that three game stretch where he ran for like 200 yards a game? 
Yeah, yeah, that was the year I played. Former former Eagle wide receiver Khalil Tate. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. but yeah, college fantasy is wild. If you're gonna yeah. do any form of college fantasy, you have to do it by conference, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like limit yeah. it to just Pac-12 teams or something like that, because if you're doing every Division One team, it's, right, it's asinine. Well, and especially when you throw in like the guys at like the lower level, but like it's like like Western Kentucky last year. Oh like yeah. If someone had Bailey Zappi who threw whatever like sixty touchdowns. That just adds a whole different element to it because they're playing at like the lower level. Uh, right. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, uh, I was ASU transfers like uh, Ricky Pearsall. I saw suffered a little injury at camp and with Florida. Uh, but I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna be like keeping tabs on all these other guys, you know. Other than maybe J- like I will be a little interested to see. Okay, how does Jaden Daniels do at LSU versus how some of these other guys do at their school? Not that there's any like I don't really have any anything against these guys because I mean there's on, very strong on paper reasons for why they transferred. It's not just out of spite or whatever. Like so, yeah. um, yeah, that's kind of. It'll just be interesting to see how it goes for him at LSU, and I think like if he kills it next year, if he's like a borderline Heisman guy, that is going to look terrible for the staff, even though Zach Hill's gone. But yeah. we shall see how it goes. Uh, we got one more little thing I wanted to talk about, and um, it's kind of tangentially related to ASU, is that ESPN is not in the Big Ten's is reportedly, I would say, uh, not in the Big Ten's new TV package. Uh, I think this is on Sports Business Journal who reported it. Um, the main partners are going to be Fox, obviously, and then NBC is going to have like a second game, and CBS might have a third game, which is it's going to be so weird to hear the CBS music that's always been on SEC games for Big Ten games. And it's not yeah. even going to be the best Big Ten matchup either. So that's just going to be weird, but whatever. We're not a Big Ten podcast. Until ASU maybe gets added to the Big Ten, <laughs> then we would be. But uh, but anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is because with the Big Ten not going with ESPN, this gives the Pac-12 an obvious, clear television partner that needs inventory, right? And it, it's just good news for the Pac-12 for ESPN to not be uh, with the Big Ten and need inventory, you know? Yeah, I don't know. This All of this TV right stuff is right. just too much. I, you know, it, it, my only vested interest in it is, like, I do enjoy watching ASU games, and I'm just never able to, like, three or four times a year I can because they're on the Pac-12 network. And well, this would be good for that. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody carries the Pac-12 network. I found it on Sling. and That's the that only is, place that has it. That is it. Yeah. So, oh, um, yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. Obviously, streams, things like that, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can provide much more insight on this yeah. whole TV deal stuff. But as long as the games are available to watch somewhere, that works for me. But right. I'd let the let the billionaires hash it out. Yeah, and I just wanted to bring it up because it's just for, for the it just kind of it, it could affect where ASU goes if 
the Pac-12 didn't have a potential, you know, and maybe they won't get a deal done with HBN, although I think they would. But um, if, if it was some different type of news and maybe it's like, oh, this could mean we're going to the Big 12 or whatever. But uh, the, the one thing about being on ESPN, though, that one of the Pac-12's, like, selling points for getting a decent TV deal is the fact that they have these late-night games. And so this could result in a little bit more late-night games for ASU. Um, and the reason why these those games are valuable is a lot of people say, oh, people on the East Coast can't watch them because it's so late, and they're right. But if it being on ESPN, no matter what time it is, is still a good deal because there's no other competition, right? Yeah, So game on, right. And, like, look, the the games that are played in, like, a half-empty sports bar, you know, on the East Coast – it you know 11:30 at night on a saturday if that's if that you know place has all espn games on they still count as watching it you know so yeah, uh people people don't go go to bars till midnight on the east coast so that's the only reason it's half empty it's a different life um yeah, yeah they hit the pre-games hard out there well don't, don't a lot of the east coast cities have like 4 a.m. closing i know that yeah. chicago that's Buffalo does. When I, Buffalo? when I was in Buffalo, those bars were open till 4 a.m. It yeah. was it was pretty crazy. And Buffalo is not even really East Coast. That's like well, it's Eastern time zone. Yeah, it, it is the time zone. It's like fringe Midwest almost. Yeah, but, that's true. Um, still, so it was the first time I had ever been in that time zone for like the night games. Okay. And we went to this neighborhood. I think it was Elmwood. I think it's called Elmwood. Um, in Buffalo, and we're just hanging out, hanging out, going to different spots, you know, doing whatever. I was out there visiting a buddy, a buddy, and then the night's like winding down. We're at our last spot. Everybody's kind of running out of gas. Yeah. And you look, it, it literally feels like okay, you know, we're we're getting to a point where like I don't know, we kind of want to call it a night. It's been a long weekend, whatever. And then you look up, it's like nine thirty, ten o'clock. We've been at it all day, and the game is kicking off. And it was like one of the most surreal moments because it's like those games don't end until midnight over there, like or or even later. Yeah, yeah. If it's a seven thirty kick Pacific time, games often go over three and a half hours. If it's especially if it's like a uh, high scoring game, so yeah, it it was crazy because we went to the Eagles Bills game, and that was a ten a.m. like on the West Coast. It's a ten a.m. kickoff. Right. But over there, you're, Warm. you're getting up. It, it was crazy because it was Halloween weekend. So, and over there, I guess in Buffalo, they just rent school buses to like go to the games. I love it. Um, so they rented a school bus and everybody was like, like pulling themselves up off whatever floor they woke up on in like still Halloween costumes, getting on this bus, oh. just throwing like OJ jerseys over like, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just throwing an OJ jersey on over it. The OJ jersey is very popular. Um, but throwing whatever. He was a great running back. He was was an excellent Buffalo Bill. One of the most underrated, like best individual statistical accomplishments in a season is OJ rushing for over 2000 yards in a 14 game NFL season in the seventies. That is crazy. So like, there's there's a ton. It objectively of is he's a bad guy, but he is. yeah, um, hell of a Buffalo Bill. <laughs> but 
Yeah, they, they, they all just they all just pull themselves up, throw a Bills jersey on, get on this school bus, get their fresh pack of uh Marlboro lights cracked, and nope. uh just so many you know like Bud Light is just called like blue over there. And everybody brings their own like thirty pack of blue and it's just a party on a school bus. Then you get to the stadium. It's still like you get to the stadium at like nine thirty, ten a.m. The game doesn't even start till one. Right. And the Bill Stadium, it's a little bit like Lambeau Field, where it's, it's just like out in the burbs, right? Yeah, you're you're driving through like a suburban neighborhood, yeah. and then it's like grass field, and like a couple bars that are just packed, and then a huge stadium, and you just go all day, but. Yeah, the game doesn't start till one. Afternoon games are four. Night game is like nine thirty. Yeah, that would be bad news for a uh, young me growing up trying to watch late late games on a school night on yeah. Sunday. Grew up yeah, on the West yeah, Coast, it, so didn't have to get that. I know you were uh, in bed at a at a reasonable hour. That's right. That's right. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about in relation to. Pac-12 games being at night. Do you like? What are your thoughts on um, ASU playing games at night? Because there's a lot of people who don't really like it when uh, their favorite Pac-12 team is playing late at night. But for, like for me, I don't mind it. Granted, I don't have kids. I don't have a bunch of responsibilities and stuff, so it's a little different. But um, I think I think for ASU, it's a little uh, it's a little different early on in the season too, just because of how hot it is. But once it's reasonable i think a lot of people like having day games what are your thoughts on that you know that's a tough one because i because there I might have, be more uh, i have had a lot of negative things to say about the recent state of tempe lately but i remember back in the day a 12 one o'clock kickoff at sun devil stadium and going to mill for all of the watch parties and being there before and after the game yeah. was an incredible day. Regardless of what happened in the game, those days were always the greatest days. Um, and I, I still kind of feel like watching the day games are, it's, it's so much more fun watching the, the games during the day. You still have, you know, everything you're doing before or during and after ahead of you. Um, whereas depending on what you like to partake in, uh, having a game at, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock, you might be running out of gas a little bit. Um, right. <laughs> and you might have already right. gone through the whole gambling budget or, uh, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're going against the responsible gaming parameters you set for yourself at that point. Um, you're maybe no longer because everybody does that. Um, you're no longer, you know, it, it, the 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 presence of the energy mind, is sapped. The presence of mind has decreased significantly. Um, so that's my only beef with it. It just depends on where you are in your life. I think if yeah, if the yeah. football games are like a party for you, which they were back in the day, definitely, and still tend to be from time to time. The day games are the way to go, um, but there's there's some fun in night games too, depending on the mood that you're in. I I would prefer a day game, but I don't. I'm not like 
Right. Every game should be during the day. I like a change up here and there. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, um, I I think the best time for a game is, like, late afternoon, like, 3, three 4 o'clock. Uh, but granted, again, you can't do that in September in Arizona and even in, into early October. So that kind of does change the conversation for ASU and U of A in this uh, late-night discussion. But I, I – I get why people don't like some of the late games, but ultimately, like, if having a little bit more late games ends up being uh, a sign of more security within the Pac-12 because we got a good TV deal from ESPN and they're dictating more later games, then so be it. You know, it's it's not a big enough deal for me, and um, I just hope that it's not going to be exclusively night games going forward, but that probably won't be it, so... Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, is honestly, I'm because some people hate it. the night games. They just hate it. Yeah, I I don't I mind it. it, especially when you like base your plan around around it, you know, and you plan mm-hmm. accordingly for the time of the kickoff. I think there's enjoyable ways to do it either way, and right. that's honestly that's that's where my head goes. I don't really care about anything else. I'm like, how can we set this up to be a party? That's right. Kind of right. Like, Right. Where where my my ASU viewership interest lies. Um, there you go. But yeah, that that's kind of I don't know my take on it. I guess. Yeah, I feel that. I and you know I it's it's a small detail, but you know some people have strong opinions on it. So figured we yeah, touch on it. Yeah. I feel like with with like ASU fans though the the exposure that I've had to a lot of ASU fans and just the takes that I've seen and. Uh, things like that. They're just, they just want to like find something and be like, this is ridiculous, kind of. But yeah. And it's always like, like that. Yeah. It's always just like months. And it's not just and, ASU like, fans though. It's a lot of Pac-12 in general. Yeah, but. it's like the minutia of it almost. Right. Like, does right. the kickoff time really matter that yeah. much? Yeah. Dude? Like, exactly. I don't know, but. Yeah. Well, uh, with that. We are concluding episode six. Um, Colton, you got any extra thoughts as we sign off? No, a couple of quick things. Um, check out obviously the Discord. I don't know if anybody's joined that or not, but we'll we'll keep plugging it. See if we can grow that. Um, also, I was gonna tell everybody we're gonna have a link to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes in the YouTube browser because what I've noticed. Because oh, people will watch on like YouTube or whatever, um, and maybe don't know how to translate that to subscribing to get the new episodes. If you are watching the show, um, so we'll have the link for the iTunes page in the YouTube bio, so you can seamlessly just click that subscribe, get all the new episodes. Um, join the Discord. Um, shout out to the Reddit people. Um, keep. Keep upvoting and watching, um, and we'll keep we'll keep trying to grow the show. So, uh, thank you for you know, thank you for to those of you who continue to come out and listen. So, yep, yeah, I agree. All right, uh, we will see you next week, uh, and go Devils.